0: Uh, well, hey, everyone. It's mean with you. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Well, we've got one of our favorite guests back today. We've got Stan Gordon. Uh, we had a conversation with Stan Gordon back in June, and he's done some excellent research over the years. Uh, last time we were talking about his uh, wonderful book, Silent Invasion, the UFO Bigfoot, connection and more recently i've been reading his what i think is his latest book creepy cryptids and strange ufo encounters of pennsylvania bigfoot thunderbirds uh, mysteries of the chestnut ridge and more casebook four now folks if you're interested in ufos and mini ufos and orbs and different types of cryptids some of which we don't even have names for this creepy cryptids book is definitely for you i'm going through it very carefully and it's just filled uh, with fascinating cases which stan is really expert at uh, recording and writing down and and being a call center for so stan how how's it going today
1: oh we're doing fine i mean doing well it's uh Been busy around here uh, right through yesterday, Uh, a lot of activity. In fact, it's never stopped since I last talked to you, and it seems like probably around July it's starting to even intensify more, and a lot of UFO reports, those low-level balls of light or reports coming in, different types of cryptid reports, a lot of mystery boom reports from widespread areas, which is kind of odd. Uh, and just some of these reports are highly high strangeness cases, there's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, do you want to go through some of them and give us a feeling? I mean, it's so interesting, just from your email, Stan, how all of these seem to come like in a wave. Am I right? It all seems to come at once. You get UFOs and you get the cryptids and the orbs and the booms.
1: So- well, that's the pattern I've been seeing. But, you know, mm-hmm. going back to, of course, 1973, I think we may have talked about it before, we had that massive... Largest UFO Bigfoot outbreak in history here in Pennsylvania back in seventy three or seventy four. That's yeah. when I began to realize that Bigfoot was much stranger than just an unknown primate. And every year I get reports of, of UFO sightings, Bigfoot reports. That that's a yearly thing. But mm-hmm. the last few years, since really about the fall, winter of twenty one, and just literally continuing, there's been reports all year round of all kind of things going on. But what's been going on? Uh, again, a more recent months, and it's intensifying is the fact that you're getting very detailed UAP UFO reports, uh, yeah. low level reports, daylight reports, and then we're getting and again, and people have no way of knowing this. They, I mean, yes, I post certain things on my website after a while after they occur generally, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I haven't posted, a lot I have not posted, and the public doesn't know this. And I'm getting reports from all over the state a lot in southwest Pennsylvania, but it's all like one after the other. We're getting cryptids reports, getting giant flying creature reports. We had a a black panther sighting last week by 100 in the afternoon. We're getting all kind of really weird creature reports, many Bigfoot reports over the last several months, all year, daylight, close-range Bigfoot reports, especially up on the Chestnut Ridge and other areas, and then... We're getting the ball of light reports, the low level reports, and I'll tell you here in a few minutes about a very strange one that just happened. I guess about two weeks ago in the afternoon. But um, I'll give you an idea. I'll just give you a synopsis here of some of the reports, and I mean we could talk for literally hours and hours about the reports coming in. But I'll just start with these, and then we can uh, you can ask some questions, and I can get into sure. some of the UFO reports. So, so let's go back to late September, and this is all this year. This is from Somerset County. Uh, this is a rural area. Uh, me and the woman are outside. She hears this very loud, strange sound coming from the nearby woods. And they, these people live in the woods. They know the animal sounds. This is something you're completely unfamiliar with. The fellow with her is a very experienced hunter, spent years out in the woods. He said the only way he can des- even describe the sound was like a cross between a barn owl and an ostrich. And a woman was so frightened she went into the house. This guy stayed outside trying to figure out what this thing was. He said it sounded like it was coming maybe 25, 30 feet away from the wood line. And then he heard this movement. And then it gets stranger. He said he saw what looked like one bright, white, luminous white eye with a black, round pupil staring at him. He said it was about 9 to 10 feet off the ground. He could not see what it was attached to, the body. But at least, at least he was seeing it from a side view and you know, he's seeing the one eye. It then began to slowly move, and as it moved, he could hear a rustling sound as it moved through the high grass and moved away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't know what that one's all about, but it's, it's, it's just, interesting. So let yeah. me move on to some of these other reports here for you, and um, again, for different areas. So here's one that's really interesting. So this just happened a few uh, a few weeks ago, the end of October. Um, I got a call from this uh, woman. She didn't know who to call, what to report it to, and she ended up calling, I, I guess, a newspaper somebody, and the reporter gave her my number. And anyhow, um, she didn't let me say exactly where she lived, uh, but anyhow, she she lives. It was inside of her living uh, where she lived, inside of a, uh, like an apartment building, and um, it's in Fayette County. I'll tell you that. Anyhow, her and a friend were sitting in the living room that afternoon, sitting on the couch. That's about four o'clock in the afternoon. When suddenly, about three to four feet away, a, about a three-inch diameter round sphere, a round light just appeared. Mm-hmm. It's right in front of at three to four feet away. It has a, a definite round shape, but they, the glow was kind of like a, a light golden color. And the light d- itself did not look solid. It made no sound, and there was no odor at all they detected of any unusual. She said this thing was fluttering around in the living room as though it was searching for something. And seconds to a minute later, the object rose straight up to about four feet a little higher in the living room. And then suddenly, these small a, a whole group of these smaller spheres suddenly fluttered around in about a six-foot area. She seems that they broke off from the main object. And she watched these things for one to two minutes. They seemed to gather together, and then all of a sudden they were gone. But wow. the main original one remained. Mm -hmm. and it began to flutter around and she said it seemed like it went behind the television set and suddenly it just vanished and that was it. Never saw it again. And She did not have a camera take a picture and I guess they were so shocked by what they saw, they didn't know what to do at that point. So that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, Uh, you shared that in the email and I was trying to visualize the fluttering motion. It it was like an orb that fluttered. Is that... that yeah. Yeah,
1: that's the way she... Yeah, that's the only way she can describe it. She said, like some other people, she said it was very small, but it was solid looking, except the light didn't look solid itself. But she said, and others have told me the same thing. They said, Mm. if you looked into the front of a standard, like a standard old type flashlight, and you just saw the front without the beam, that's what it would look
0: like. Right. Front without the beam. Wow. Yeah.
1: So yeah. anyhow, again, you know, these small objects we talk about, they run anywhere from that size, very small, to golf ball, baseball size, a lot about a foot or two in diameter. And some are just spherical light sources of different colors. But I have also had cases where hey, people have these things within feet of them, and they look solid and metallic.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: we have other cases where these objects are not spherical, but they are other type of uh, tra- uh, different shapes as well. So let me go on here to a couple other things. Um, let's see. This is from Armstrong County. This is just a little over a week ago, 1245 in the afternoon. In fact, I talked to this with us again this afternoon. And um, they've had some oddities going on for a few years on their property, but they've never told anybody about it. But she said what really was so strange the other afternoon was she's on a hill. She can overlook this large a farming area, a large rural area, and in the distance she first sees what looks like dark gray smoke. She first thought, well, somebody must be burning leaves way over there across the field by the trees. But suddenly, this mass suddenly begins to rise up into the sky. And then she says it's moving left and right and right and left, going in and out of the clouds. And then suddenly there's four or five spheres that are kind of a light gray color. They get brighter and darker, but they're kind of a a gray color. They move into the mass, and it's moving around, and it begins to change different forms. Mm. One looked like a a great big, uh, like a a big bird flapping his wings and went in and out of the clouds. And at one point, she said it looked like a large, solid, cigar-shaped object, which at first she thought was a blimp, but realized soon it was not. Yeah. And different configuration she said that went on for 10 or 15 minutes and she did not have a camera or <laughs> her, her camera was not around at the time that her picture to grab to get a picture no i'm wrong in that one there's so many cases she did go inside mm-hmm. after about 50 minutes to grab her camera when she came back a few minutes later the mask was still there but it moved across the sky to another location yeah. she tried to get a couple of pictures but it didn't come out at all so, and, so let me
0: get this uh, straight Stan. this is something like it looks like a dark smoke, and as it rises into the sky, it takes forms that look like almost like life forms and then structured forms and all of the above multiple yep. times.
1: Right, but the wow. first things you saw were like four or five balls of, of like a gray light right. from it. And then all of a sudden, um, these things change, and they begin to change from one form into another, this mass, yep. this dark mass, and... Um, it goes from like a, a giant wing something to a solid mm-hmm. cigar-shaped thing and a couple other things she was seeing. She said, I've never seen like it before. She was just very, very confused as to what she was seeing. But that's yes. similar yeah. to what some of the other reports were getting, and I'll try mm-hmm. to find some of those here for you as well. because yeah, sure. some case even with some of the Bigfoot reports in past years and mm-hmm. some of the other reports we're getting in are these creatures that do not appear to be completely physically solid – they mm-hmm. have a shape to them, but they look more misty or foggy looking or kind of smoky looking, as some people say. Some people say it's like looking at a at you're looking at the ground during a very hot um very hot day and you can see the the steam rising off the street and it kind of looks something like that as well.
0: Yeah, kinda of, am I thinking predator effect here a little bit, the movie Predator type uh, shimmering form? Yep yeah okay
1: and that's exactly what some witnesses have told me he said it was like watching a a predator movie people were saying we're riding down a road in the car suddenly the seven eight foot tall huge creature appears right in front of us we see the whole shape from head to toe it moves a little and then it's gone
0: yeah don't try this at home folks yeah no that is that's so it's not common i want to say that's so common it's not common but this is the type of reports we get yeah
1: yeah and I, i'm just giving you some example of some yeah. of the interesting things that are going on. Um, here's one from yesterday morning, and, again, it's just there's such a variety of so many things happening. Uh, this was yesterday. Let's see, this was the 13th. Yeah, yesterday morning, about 3.15 in the morning up in Cambria County, where, again, we're getting reports of different things for years, including Bigfoot and UFO activity. Yeah. So this fella, his security camera system goes off and notifies him of some kind of activity outside. He plays back the video, and you, and I've seen it. You can clearly see it. There's, um, there's a deer in the, in the yard, and it's looking towards uh, the tree line about 10 to 20 feet away because in the tree line is a small sphere, an orb, just floating around in and out, and you can see it moving up and down slowly, and the deer stops and looking directly at it, then runs away. That, that's just wow. an example of just some of the things that are going on right now.
0: Just incredible. And we're talking the areas here are all southwestern Pennsylvania, am I right?
1: Um, what we're talking about there is, but a lot of these other reports that are really, hmm. really detailed UFO reports coming in, they are not all from southwest okay. VA. They're coming in now from eastern sections of the state, uh, kind of northeast also in Pennsylvania. I'm hearing reports of orb activity and bigfoot activity from way up in the Pennsylvania-New York border, up in that area, yeah. up and around the Allegheny National Forest, where we always hear reports, um, other parts of the state as well, some down towards uh, eastern PA, down towards um, outside of Philadelphia, that general area. So these reports are come in from a lot of different places. And some of the reports are, are just really, really amazing. Let me tell you about this one. Just some of these triangular reports coming in. Yeah. So this is September 3rd from Cumberland County, which is close to the Susquehanna River. Mm-hmm. And this is around 9 o'clock in the evening. So this woman is walk- doing a chore outside and walking her dog. Suddenly there's a bright flash of light, like a starburst, she said. And the dog, which was deaf, is now in a sitting position looking up towards the sky. So she said there was that bright flash. She said it was like the light shined down on her and the dog. And the dog's looking up, so she looks up, and this thing is hovering about 300 feet over a building. This is a large, solid, back tra- black triangular object with rounded corners. But what's interesting in this case, there's no lights on it. It's one solid object mm-hmm. that um, the moonlight is illuminating it, and the whole surface looks like a flat, matte, black color. She has a very good view of the undercarriage and back section of the object. There were no individual lights, but she said... It was massive, much larger than medical helicopters that fly over the area regularly. Mm-hmm. She said it looked like there were two circular prot- protuberances on the back section that she thought may have been vents. Mm-hmm. It was in that air she noticed what she surmised was orange-colored metal cooling off from the intense heat. She said this mm-hmm. cooling effect did not occur all at once. She observed what looked like some type of indentations or protrusion on a bottom surface, which other people have been describing as well. As the object hovered, she noticed a deep yet barely audible humming sound and then one-click type noise as the object began to slowly move. But suddenly, the object moved so fast it looked like a smudge, and it moved off suddenly, and it never stopped move across the sky. It just vanished. So here's what we're getting, and a lot of these reports, even in daylight, and as recent as yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. we're getting reports of these large, elongated wingless cigar shaped objects that appear to be metallic. And mm-hmm. I guess somewhat similar to what the military is calling the Tic Tacs. But I've been yeah. getting these reports for years and years. But yeah. these objects, even in beautiful afternoons, are just hovering and then within seconds just vanishing, not accelerating and leaving. They're just vanishing and gone. Yes, yeah. Or in a few cases they're moving so slow across the sky, they're moving much slower than a normal conventional aircraft.
0: Right, right. And it sounds to me, Stan, like all of these types of objects, there are no two are exactly alike. It's not like people are seeing the same test exotic aircraft over and over again. It seems each time it, there's variation. Am I right? Some slight changes. I mean, there's you talked about the protuberances, but when I read your books and I read your cases and I go to your website, there seems to be a lot of uniqueness in these sightings, a lot of definition, but a lot of uniqueness, too.
1: It, that's true. There's a lot of similarities, especially a lot of the triangular reports for years. Yeah. We're getting reports of these triangles, that, and many of them have a solid round red light at the bottom. Yeah. that really stands out, and that's something I hear quite a bit. And so let me give you an example of a few more reports. So, oh, let's see, mid-August of this year, Indiana County, about 925, this woman's in her home. She notices a bright light shining between the window blind flaps and she looks out the window and she sees this very bright white triangular object with three rounded corners mm-hmm. the object was stationary and looked to be about the size again of a medical helicopter goes over Sees about 50 feet higher than the nearby trees the object she said it had an odd colored haze similar to a halo that was mm-hmm. purplish brown and the haze was while luminous was not as bright as the body of the triangular object, it was completely glowing. So Mm -hmm. once again, this was not a configuration of lights making up a triangular uh, formation. Mm -hmm. It was a solid, completely glowing object on it. And um, she said, there could be some kind of lines of separation at the bottom of the object, like the other person said. A red light was observed on each back corner of the object was steady while hovering. However, as the object moved towards the north, the red light began to blink. The Mm -hmm. object moved over the house, continued across the sky towards Shalakta. It made no sound. The the observation lasted about a a few minutes. The witness did not have a camera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then, so let me go into some other ones here. So here's another one. So the one I told you prior to the one before with a lady and the dog had the UFO, well, Mm -hmm. the next day there was another sighting in the same county, also Mm -hmm. not far from the Susquehanna River. And I think I may have mentioned this at one point, but, you know, the the government's interested in what they call transmedium reports. Right. So they're interested in a lot of reports of these objects, not only seen in the sky, but going in and out of the water. And they're concentrating on ocean reports. Mm -hmm. I've been saying for years there have been many sightings around the rivers and lakes of Pennsylvania. And of these Mm -hmm. things going in and out of the rivers and lakes of Pennsylvania. So this was very close to the Susquehanna River. So this report's kind of interesting, too. So this Mm -hmm. is September 4th here in Cumberland County. And this is only about four miles away from where the other sighting occurred, but it's a different type of object. And this guy, I did a long interview with this guy, very, very credible. His Mm -hmm. friend was with him. Mm -hmm. They're driving down this uh, local road by 8.54 p.m. when he sees something in the sky looks unusual. He hits his brakes and he points out to his friend that's in the vehicle. They pull the car over and they get out of the car. So they're watching this circular object that was pretty uh, pretty high up in the sky, not real high two, but fairly high and hovering. The object appeared to be solid-looking, white in color. Suddenly, that circular object accelerated with extreme speed straight up into the sky. Mm-hmm. Both men were amazed at what they were seeing. They need to get a picture of it, by the way. But there's more to that. So as the object continues to move higher, uh, the circular object appears to split into two objects. Mm-hmm. According to him, the circular object separate into two crafts. The saucer-shaped object on the top continued to move upward at high speed, while the one on the bottom maybe looked as though it had disin- disintegrated into a number of what he called sparkly things. Hmm. He, he, at that point, he began to, to hit the record button on video on his phone, and he saw it going into the video mode. When he zoomed in, it was the impression that each thing had a distinct geometric shape. He called them H, H, H-shaped craft. And the original object continued to move at amazing fast speed higher up into the sky. The small H sparkly things appeared to fade away and were no longer, longer seen. The witness stated that he and her friend watched as the circular object continued to rise even higher, then suddenly performed a seemingly impossible 45-degree angle precise turn east across the horizon. And then this is interesting. Moments later, they saw something else that could confuse them. Approaching from the west and moving east along a path that the circle object was taking was another object that was moving fast that, ble- that he believed could have been a military drone or a small aircraft. What was observed was described as two fuselages connected by one long wing. There was one very bright white, white light blinking at the end of each fuselage. From the distance, the sound was similar to a lawnmower. The witness stated he had never seen or heard an aircraft like that before. Whatever it was, it seemed to be tracking that object. So also, here's the interesting thing. Now, the primary witness attempted to videotape the object. He said his iPhone setting to video mode and began to record from the time the observation began. He saw the video was recording and counting up the footage on the screen. He had a flash mode shut off. However, during the video recording, the flash still occurred. When he played back to watch the video, he realized that no video was recorded, only a few still pictures have been captured. The man was glad that he was at least able to get that. He has no idea why the video did not record. Wow. That has been showing up in other reports as well. So in yeah. some cases, people yeah. are getting, they're seeing, they're trying to take a picture yeah. or a video of these objects that are pretty low level. Right. And... It appears to be recording, but in some cases, it does not record at all, or Mm -hmm. there's very little data or whatever, and then the other thing has been going on for quite a while now, over the years, and more recent years, a lot more, people using even very good night vision equipment and other type of camera equipment, trying to take photographs of these objects and orbs, they have fully charged batteries, very high quality equipment, and sometimes... As they're starting to record, while they're seeing these things, the batteries completely drain of power.
0: Right, right. That's so uh so common for all these types of phenomena. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, Stan, so these I, are just yeah. Go so, ahead. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm just struck by the variation in scale of what you report. The types of witness reports that you get. You get reports of the very large triangular craft, all the way down to the very small, little orbs in people's living rooms in front of their uh, TV or right in front of them. And it's, it's amazing to me, I've never heard another researcher report so many cases. Am I right where there's such variation in scale, but so much commonality in the strangeness of it, at least according to the laws of physics that we're all used to, right?
1: And that's and that's exactly what's going I was aware of these small spherical reports since the 1960s. You I've were. always called them mini UFO reports. Yeah, However, that's what
0: call them in creepy cryptids, mini UFOs, right.
1: Yeah, but over the years and, and the last few years – and last year was the biggest surge of these kind of incidents with these orbs of light. And what was so intriguing last year and, – and some of the – a lot of this, you can go through my website, and you'll see some of those reports on there – some of these cases were in daylight – where these objects would come out within feet of people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, some of these cases are, were just just really, really amazing. Uh, one case was actually last year, yeah, April uh, 6, 2022. There's a lot of sightings along the areas along the Chestnut Ridge. Yes. And many other areas as well. So some reports I just told you about it. were not near the Chestnut Ridge, especially mm-hmm. in the other part of the state. The Chestnut Ridge is this mountain range that runs a little less than 100 miles. It goes through Westmoreland, Fayette, Indiana County, and Southwest PA, Mm -hmm. and goes to a few miles outside of Morgantown, West Virginia, or near Preston County.
0: Yeah, I'm holding a picture up from Creepy Cryptid so people can see part of it, yeah. Go ahead.
1: And um, so anyhow, uh, there have been sightings all along the ridge, but there are certain particular areas that are extremely active especially, yeah. again, in Fayette and Westmoreland, Fayette has had a long history. I mean, some of the weirdest cases ever documented with Bigfoot and UFOs have occurred in Fayette County. Mm-hmm. And um, But anyhow, so this was April 6, 2022. One of my research associates, Jim Brown, who luckily lives in Fayette County, and this guy is a very high-tech, scientifically-oriented researcher. He has a lot of really high-tech equipment to work with. Anyhow, this happened that day. It was the afternoon, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And this man and his wife were outside in their field digging up, uh, digging uh, and spreading mulch uh, in their area. And suddenly they saw this silver object about 50 feet away, and I believe it was about 10 feet above the fence line, slowly drifting in their direction. This thing was silver, circular, about two feet in diameter. So the first thought was it was a mylar balloon. So as it gets closer and closer... They realize this is not a balloon at all, and it's getting more luminous, brighter and brighter as it gets closer to them. And as it gets very close to them, suddenly there was like a slight explosion. There was like a small lightning bolt that shot from the object to the ground. Hmm. There was a sound like a small firecracker, like a snap like a spark. That spark started a small fire in the field, which Uh they immediately put out. The guy grabbed the shovel and ran over and put the fire out, and it was gone. It disappeared. So, Jim gets on the scene there within 45 minutes. Had this been a firecracker or a Mylar balloon exploding, there would be residue everywhere. There was absolutely nothing there.
0: Wait, so there's no residue, but it's capable of starting a fire? Yes. I'm I'm trying to understand this. It's very uh, challenging.
1: (laughs) It is. A lot of it's very challenging. And, you know, you... You, uh, we talked about the what this thing looked like in the living room, these small little round things like the ends of a flashlight. Well,
2: yeah. we
1: talked about this before, and what i talked about was for years there have been reports in areas of Bigfoot activity, not only in Pennsylvania, but from all over the country now we're hearing these reports. I've talked about this yeah. for a long time.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Witnesses and researchers have seen various light phenomena, these small balls of light coming out of the ground, or out of the field rather, out of the woods, uh, in May of 2019, in a rural area outside of Pittsburgh, where there have been a number of reports for years of, of screams and howls and Bigfoot activity. Mm-hmm. So this is early morning hours around 1 o'clock in the morning. This guy happens to go look out his back window, and the back window and the backyard goes into a large wooded area. It's all well illuminated for security. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, he sees this small Bigfoot, about 4 and a half to 5 feet tall, covered with dark hair. It's walking upright on two legs. The arms are very long, and almost down to the knees, and he can see the arms swinging. And he watches this thing as it goes into a, right into the section of the woods. Moments later, like three seconds later, at the exact location where the creature entered the woods, a bright sphere of light about three to four inches in diameter suddenly appears. He said it's similar to looking drug into the front of a flashlight, and it was about four feet above the ground. The light then moved a short distance for about three seconds and vanished. About four to five seconds later, the light reappeared about 10 feet away. This time, the small sphere emitted a bright beam of light about 10 to 12 feet long. The beam of light was seen for a few seconds. It vanished. The object vanished. And that was it.
0: Now, when was this, this incident, this Bigfoot ball? This event?
1: Early May of 2019.
0: 20, and, and where is this again? Which, uh, which area?
1: This is Allegheny County outside of Pittsburgh.
0: Wow, what a story. Uh, it's it's such an, a unique story, and yet it shows us that some of the Sasquatch are connected to these luminous phenomena, balls of light, what whatever they turn out to be, right? And they can even yeah, form and if, beams. Yeah, huh? go ahead. They form beams of light, too? You're saying a beam of light shot out of this orb where the Bigfoot had been?
1: Yeah, that, that's a rarity. But in many of the reports we're getting, even in the last year, many of these spheres are very, very bright and luminous. Yeah. However, they emit no surrounding light. All the light is within the object itself.
0: Right, right. That's a very important clue to what we might be dealing with. There, It's it's self-contained luminosity, right?
1: That is correct. But then again,
0: mm-hmm. then you've
1: got some other interesting cases. There, There is so much... It is so strange. Every day I wonder what's the next report going to be because, you know, these are coming from people that are involved in these things. These mm-hmm. A lot of these are from the general public who know nothing about these things. Yeah, they yeah. don't know what they're dealing with. They don't understand, and they want some answers, just like what they call about a UFO sighting or a Bigfoot. They have no idea what's going on. Interestingly, we are getting in some pretty good uh, security camera footage, some video footage in of some of these things that are being recorded. Um, if going back also to 1973, if you read it in my Silent Invasion book, there yeah. was that case September of 73 north of Pittsburgh. We had the two witnesses waiting for a friend to pick them up when mm-hmm. they see this seven, eight-foot-tall, huge, hairy, bigfoot, white-haired one yeah. running across the road. And one of its hand is carrying a glowing, small ball right. of light in his hand. Right. right. One hand. And then a few minutes later, this object came across the sky and projected a beam of light down into the woods where that creature ran into. So that was interesting. But last year, with the small sphere of light reports, and there were so many of them from widespread areas all across the state, it was just incredible, the reports coming in. But in October last year, so one of the reports, again, was Fayette County early morning. Jim went up and investigated uh, early morning, I I think it was around six in the morning, it was very cold. This guy's in his pajamas and uh just in his pajamas and set for Roy sleeping inside. Anyhow he went to get his newspaper just been delivered. So he he his wife finds him sound asleep on the porch in his slippers and right. uh pajamas, which he would never do. And yeah. he told her that he went out to get the newspaper. He started walking out towards the newspaper box, and right there at eye level between him and the box is this small round ball of white light. And he said as he got very close to it, he suddenly got so tired he couldn't stay awake and he fell asleep. Yeah. And then three days later, mm-hmm. I'm guessing about 40 miles away, up in the Laurel Mountains, so you'll read about that in the creepy cryptid book, this area is another very active area, right close to the ed- edge of the Chestnut Ridge. Yeah. And so here's this woman who lives out in the rural area. She has one of these own historical homes. And um, she goes to the restroom about 2.30 in the morning. She comes out of the restroom, and five feet away in her living room is this, I believe it was about a foot and a half to two-foot diameter, blue sphere with a dark mass moving around inside of it. Wow. And she remembers taking one step close to it, she felt like a slight electrical jolt, and then she said, I got so tired I couldn't stay awake, and I fell asleep. She said, next day I felt terrible, I was very yeah. weak, I was very mm-hmm. sickly looking." Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm an insomniac, I don't fall asleep. For me to right. go to sleep like that was unusual. So here you had two very similar cases of a similar physiological effect. Yeah, let me
0: ask you about the previous gentleman you mentioned, 40 miles away. Uh, did he suffer any health effects from that sleepiness, or was it just a one-night one, one night thing?
1: In my understanding, both of them was a one-time thing only. It did not last.
0: And this woman you're describing, though, she did feel ill the next day?
1: She felt very weak and groggy, she said.
0: Yeah, I just have to mention, you know, I uh, went to the Phenomicon conference in Vernal. I think I might have mentioned this to you on the phone when we spoke. And uh, there was a witness from the Blind Frog Ranch area between Blind Frog Ranch and Skinwalker Ranch relaying to us how she had seen an orb and got out to videotape it, you know, through the windshield of her car. She gets out. Same thing. She feels, first she feels very ill and then she falls asleep at 6 a.m. She she says she never did this. She goes back to sleep at 6 a.m. to 10 a.m and suffer some very strange effects for the next couple of days. So there's, uh, my guess would be, Stan, I mean, you can chime in what you think. I I think there could be types of electromagnetic radiation that we're not used to being emitted by these objects, even ionizing radiation, possibly, that has effects on our blood cells, our immune system, so forth.
1: Yeah, there's been EM effects for years and years.
0: We're Mm -hmm.
1: hearing this more and more. I have numerous cases of... uh, Various types of effects on different type of equipment, people trying to take pictures. I'll give you another example just yeah. off of my head, and then I'll tell you about another case that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, this was, I believe it was 2015. This is up in the mountains uh, between Westmore and Fayette County, very mountainous area. It was a beautiful morning when this happened. I think it was around 10 o'clock in the morning. This fellow is sitting next to the window drinking a cup of coffee, and his large dog that goes with him everywhere is laying on the rug next to him. And he said, I'm sitting there drinking coffee, and all of a sudden this beautiful day turned just solid black like a terrible storm just came out, came out of nowhere.
2: Mm-hmm. And he
1: thought, what the heck's going on? So he grabs his fully charged telephone, and it calls his dog to go with him. The dog refused to go out. Dog went with him everywhere. So the guy grabs his phone. He walks outside, which as he's walking outside, he's on his driveway area. 500 feet above him is a huge, solid, silent black triangle, just no. hovering there. What's he do? He aims his camera to take a picture of it, and within seconds, that fully charged battery is completely drained of any energy.
0: There you go. Did he end up getting a picture at all? No, nothing. It, it <laughs> oh, did not a been... picture at all. I, I, and yeah, then you ask "Yeah, like, Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. F- feel free. Finish. Yeah. Okay,
1: so. And I can't remember all this. I, I deal with so many reports. I'm trying to – I can't remember every detail. I've some yeah. of them up. But anyhow, back in November of 21, remember I was telling you, you know, g- generally sightings, I get reports all year round, all kind of weather. But generally, which is normal. In the wintertime, it's cold, it's snowy. You get less reports, which is normal. But right. in, in the fall and winter of 21, things began to accelerate. We began to get low-level UFO reports and then cryptid stuff, and it it hasn't stopped since then. It's just been constant. And again, you had that surge last year, especially of these small spherical objects below the ground, and now we're having this outbreak of all kind of anomalies, from cryptids to UFOs to Bigfoot to weird things. Like I said, we had a Black Panther sighting last week in the afternoon by a hunter Been out for years and years. He said, I used to hear stories about him. He said, I never would have believed it until I saw it myself. And And I can tell you another story about that. But anyhow, going back to this incident November 21, so this is Smithfield, PA, in Fayette County along the Chestnut Ridge section there. There have been a lot of sightings around this area. So this woman is on one of the main roads early evening, and about 50 yards ahead of it, this witness sees, an object barely moving, that appears quite low above the ground. There were three lights in a rounded triangular configuration that she said looked like a guitar pick in shape, which is kind of a good description because the lights looked perfectly circular, were non-blinking, and orange-yellow in color, were size of a large dinner plate. That's how big they were. But she said it, it gave you that uh, configuration of like a triangle, but with rounded edges again. As she got closer, the object, which was silent, was to her left, about 10 yards away off the road. She passed below a section of the object that was about 30 feet above the road. Mm. She said the outline of the object, she saw the triangular shape, noticed that the color lights were now a pinkish-yellow color. The driver said the object was small, only about 10 feet long and 6 feet wide. She did not have the radio on and heard no sound. The witness was on the cell phone at the time using a Bluetooth connection and noticed that there was some static during the conversation. Mm-hmm. She hadn't experienced that uh, before in that area. Anyhow, as the, she had just picked up her dog. As the driver had her dog in the car with her at the time, she noticed that the animal was turning its head while looking at the object as I was trying to figure out what it was. The mm-hmm. woman touched the dog while they were near the object to com- comfort the animal, and she felt a slight minor static electric yeah. shock. Uh-huh. She said she was wearing a t. She was wearing a T-shirt and thought it was odd, having felt such a shock she never ever did before. She said she became frightened when she was so close. To the object and told me I sped the hell away. She told me she panicked, didn't think of taking a picture. Driver was still hovering as she sped away. The entire thing only lasted about a minute, but so, during that time we were getting reports. Um, there were at least three reports within months of different people who were observing low-level UFO activity, and they were all reporting uh, this static charge, which is not, I mean, over the years we hear about it, but all of a sudden we had these these series of similar type reports coming in. And um, and I know there was a one report, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly the details because I got it from another researcher. And,
0: and I just want to get a sense of the size of this triangular object. Did you say around six, ten 10 feet by six feet? On the sides, small.
1: Yeah, she said this was small. She said she could see the whole thing. She was under a part of it. She said it was only about ten feet long, about six feet wide, and dark. Uh,
0: very odd. And light were the light lights underneath, or just flat, uh, flat metallic surface underneath? What, what was the underside like?
1: She could see it on the corners of the object, taking oh, up the outline.
0: Got it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and but the coloring was so strange, and that. Uh, They had gone from a orange-yellow to a pinkish-yellow. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, again, there's so many different type of anomalies being reported and so many weird, weird things. And and there's some even stranger reports. Let me go into a file here, see if I can pick up something. There was another one that was very, very weird from just a couple weeks ago because I know these are some of the things that you look into as well. Yeah, I just
0: want to mention one thing, Stan. I mean – we're hearing these reports from Congress right now, you know, Arrow and the UAP task force right before that. And even going back to OSEP and Tip of these small spheres, you know, mini UFOs. And I think it's important for the audience to remember here that these are not new. You've been documenting these for decades, mini UFOs, small spheres. We just now have another example, small triangles, right? So this isn't something that just particular to last year.
1: Oh, that's true. It's been going on for a long time, but a lot of people are unaware of them. But, yes, there are other researchers out there who are, have investigated these cases. There's more and more uh, studies being done on them. There's other books on them out there now in the last years that are very good. Your book mentions them as well. And, uh, you know, it's something that's not unique to Pennsylvania, but people aren't hearing this. You're not hearing – this is the one thing that you're not hearing in the news accounts about what's being no. looked into now. You're not hearing about these low-level – amazing reports of these things being close to people, low level. I mean, over the years of these spherical, I've, I've had reports of them chasing vehicles. I've had them enter people's vehicles, homes and cars through open windows. I've had them go right through the walls of a house. I've had them tap up people's living room windows, and people went to watch them, and they watched the thing zoom off. Uh, these cases are a lot more common than we realize. Here's the whole point, too. I've been doing many lectures this year. Everywhere I go, people came up to me and told me about things that I'd recently in the past. None of them reported to anybody. I'm in contact with many other researchers. So a lot of the stuff coming in, I'm getting directly myself on my hotline or by email, but I'm getting a lot from other people I'm close to as well. So the point is... is,
0: This is an important point. You're saying these people are not talking to other people. They're not calling the Arrow hotline in the Pentagon. They're not... not
1: Anybody? They're not they're calling like, MUFON, They're not calling the Center for UFO Studies. They're not calling the yeah, uh, you know, any of these reports. They're not calling the uh, the National UFO Reporting Center. They're not reporting to anybody. That's the whole point. So much is we can't even imagine how much of this activity has taken place that we're not aware of. Yep. Yeah.
0: No, it's amazing. It's just simply amazing.
1: And, and the other thing that you're not hearing. Is the, these low level reports? I've investigated multitudes of them over the years, and I have no doubt these are cases you could not easily dismiss. And you know, Simeon, from the time I started doing this, I did this since I was a kid, 10 years old, 1959. But yeah. then I had my, my research groups over the years, which are long gone, but I had them in the 70s, the 80s, some of the 90s. And I still have contact with many people in the science community and research field that investigate things, too, but not as my own group. But when I had my groups in those days, we had scientists, engineers, and police officers, and military specialists, former ones, who all volunteered their time to investigate these reports and we were out there day and night investigating all these incidents. That's why we could document so many of those cases back in those days. And um, I lost my train of thought. But anyhow, over the years, there were multitudes of incidents that you could not explain. And yeah. the whole thing is, I wanted to get to was we always try to find a logical explanation for these reports. And yeah. so many of the reports, even in recent days and weeks coming in, They've been Starlink satellites, you get Venus and Jupiter, you get a a fireball meteor come over, you get drones, you get uh, balloons, you get all kinds of things that look unusual under different conditions. We track those things down and we say we can explain them. So I like to eliminate all the things, the IFOs, the things we can explain away. That's not what we're talking about now. There's this whole body of other data that indicates we're dealing with something else. And I said this years ago, and I'll still stick with it, there is likely more than one origin to the unknown category of the UFO or UAP mystery. Maybe a small percentage might be extraterrestrial, but I am more and more pretty much convinced that we're dealing with a phenomena that has a physical and a non-physical component to it. Uh, For a lack of a better term, I'll call it interdimensional that nobody knows what it is. I don't think the government understands it, which is why there's so much secrecy, but I think they're very much aware of it. And I think it is so complex, so beyond our understanding that how can, it's so difficult to even believe what we're dealing with. But I think the more I know about it, that a lot of these various anomalies are all interconnected somehow.
0: Oh yeah, Uh, uh, Stan, the name that sort of hard-boiled scientists, you know, in meteorology and ball lightning, Um, and these other sort of mainstream sciences, they have a name for what you're talking about and they call it overlapping phenomenology, which means they don't don't know what it is. They just say their ball lightning turns into earth lights, turns into UFOs, and they can't separate where the earth lights uh, stop and the UFOs begin because there's this continuum, continuum of strange phenomena. And I think this is what's made it so difficult or challenging for researchers to accept because everybody, we're, we're, we're all educated the same way, which is to put things into boxes, right? And nothing, no. there's no boxes that are going to hold the types of phenomena you're talking about today.
1: No, and of course, when we get these reports, are there the weather conditions that can produce ball lightning? Not in the cases we're talking about. And, the, and what we're hearing, what the people are describing is not typical type of activity that ball lightning is known to do.
0: Mm-hmm. You described some of these cases in creepy cryptids. Like there's that instant where something comes into the guy's car and it's like carefully going along the, the hump of the transmission. Right. And, and almost like inspecting he, he, the guy felt like it was sort of slowly inspecting the inside of the car and it didn't care whether he was watching or not.
1: And that's what I believe that that lady has told me, she said, and I believe that's the one it was. He said it looked like it was searching for something, the way it was moving.
0: Right, right. It was searching for something. But what does this tell us about all of these cryptids that are associated with these same waves of orbs and UFOs and triangular craft? I mean, you're what you're telling us here completely shatters the traditional flesh and blood uh, view of Bigfoot, which is that it's some sort of wood ape or, you know, just some relic primate, just some very rare animal. I mean, rare animals do not turn into orbs and emit beams of light as far as I know.
1: No, and again, it's not just for me. You've got other researchers, well-known researchers are investigating them. I've been to a lot of conferences this year uh, in different states, and I've had a chance to talk with many researchers from around the country. And I was amazed at the reports I was hearing from, I believe it was Tennessee, uh, could have been Alabama, Texas, and they were having the same kind of reports, and some of their reports were as strange, if not strange, as some reports I was hearing. And I remember one of them telling me about investigating a case of an orb that changed into some type of known small creature. I think it was a raccoon, but I'm not positive. And then it changed into a Bigfoot.
0: We've heard these reports. Yeah go,
1: ahead.
0: yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're saying it changed into a raccoon and then into a Bigfoot.
1: I believe that's what it was, but I don't want to swear to it. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was. But you hear these reports, as weird as it is, of these balls of light changing into other type of life forms. And I mean, I've talked to people who have tracked footprints after some cryptid or Bigfoot sighting. Some of these guys were very—they've uh, been hunting for years and years—and these tracks suddenly change into a different track, for example.
0: Okay. So I have to mention this new film. I, I was doing some research and I saw that you were in a film a couple of years ago called Paranormal Bigfoot by Bilko Productions. And I, yeah. I heard about this from a friend. And then at the Yakima Bigfoot conference a couple of weekends ago, uh, Bill of Bilko Productions was there. Uh, there. And I haven't seen that one yet. I'm going to Look forward to watching So but there's a new film. I'm just mentioning it because I was part of it and perhaps you've already heard of it. It's called The Flash of Beauty, Paranormal Bigfoot. And there's yes, a wit- heard of it. Yeah, I'll send you the link for it because there's a witness in that film which was just released uh just on Vimeo so far a couple weeks ago of someone who saw one transform into a deer.
1: hmm Yeah. And and that's interesting. In fact, if I can find it, because this just came up recently, I've got to go through. I've got literally pages of, of reports. Uh, but some strange deer reports are coming in too. That people are encountering deer yeah. that don't act like deer at all, and they, they're mm-hmm. doing things different. And I, no, if I can just, find it all, let you know. Fast,
0: that is fascinating, Stan. Because in the film, I had never. I have heard of shape-shifting Bigfoot. I've heard them of turning into tree stumps and deer, boulders and things like this. And the idea of them transforming into animals, but I'd never heard of them literally someone seeing one transform into a deer. But now you're saying you're familiar with this. This isn't just an isolated case.
1: It's a rarity, but I've heard people talk about seeing something that looks like a deer, but it's not acting like a deer. Uh-huh. And if I can find this one report, I will let you know. Uh, I may not be able to come across it so easily, but uh, hold on. That's uh, not it either. There's, it, it's just strange. And in any cases, let me ask you this, too. Well, yeah. a couple of things that are interesting. We're also getting, and I don't know how this connects, if it does. The more I know about it, I think there might be some connection. This may be something you looked into, but you know, for years and years, going back to the 60s, We've had reports of these mystery booms. We used to call them skyquakes back in the 60s. And you don't get them that often, and they're hard to track down. Because when you get reports of these things, shaking homes and buildings, sometimes they're miles away. Well, sometimes on a rare day, it turns out to be a fireball meter which can produce a sonic boom, which we had one here about a couple years ago. It's extremely rare. It's extremely rare for military aircraft to produce sonic booms, especially in my area. That's very, very rare. In the the wintertime, you can have a frost quake, which is extremely rare and is pretty localized. Um, The point is, over the last several months and even over this past weekend, we had three of them within two days in different areas. We're getting reports of these big booms that are shaking homes for miles around in different areas, and nobody's been able to figure out what they were. And I see no meteor connection to them. And whether it's connected to it, I don't know. My... I, my thoughts are, from what I'm looking into, is that maybe there's a connection between changes in the magnetic fields and the booms and this activity going on. I don't know your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned this a couple of days ago in your email, and I, I had never really thought about it before. Uh, I mean, we said a few minutes ago that this these effects happen at all different scales, from the small scale inside your living room to huge triangular craft. And maybe there are these macroscopic effects too of these types of energy shifts, frequency shifts, whatever we're actually dealing with here, that could affect the atmosphere in some way. I mean, if they could cause some sort of chain reaction in some of the elements in the atmosphere, uh, it perhaps would produce some sort of shockwave. Like a self-igniting, a self-sustaining energy process that culminates in some sort of boom i mean i i'm still thinking about about it i'm not sure what would cause it but it's interesting yeah. that you're having these these sorts of uh boom reports at the same time as this surge in ufo and cryptid and orb activity
1: yeah it, it's interesting and yeah there's just a, a lot of very strange activity taking place i can tell you that um and it was something else I wanted to bring up, and I cannot think right offhand what it was. Um, well, um, I'm sure I'll, there was one other case here, that, and again, others, but I know there's one very recently that I know you would find of interest. And let me see if I can find my – okay, here it is. This is at the end of October, so just about two weeks ago. And this person, again, asked me not to, tell, not to reveal exactly where they were, what their job is, or what they do, because – would not, they probably would not like, like last to come out. The reason That would be the reason why they were out at 2 o'clock in the morning when this happened. And this mm-hmm. happened again in, here in western PA, And this happened um, within a few miles of a section of the Chestnut Ridge. So not right there. So it's a more populated wooded area, let's say. So this person, uh, there was moonlight at the time. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. This person was walking down past this wooded area and began to have this very apprehensive feeling, and she begins to hear this very loud screeching sound. She said it was something like a crow, but much deeper. And she's very familiar with animals around that area, but it was extremely unusual. And she said, as she's walking, this sound begins to move like it's getting close to her, like coming out of the woods like 15, 20 feet away, and it's fluctuating from farther away, back and forth, getting closer and the sound of time seems like it's moving right out of the wood line towards her. So she pulls out her phone and begins to record this, and she recorded the sounds. And by the way, they are very similar to some of the sounds we were hearing about during the Bigfoot wave back in 73. Mm -hmm. And actually, there was a lot of activity in this area back in 73. But anyhow, here's what's even more intriguing. As she's walking around... um, at the corner of her eye along the wood line, she captures something from her left eye, from her peripheral vision. She sees what she described as a large four legged creature. She said it looked like a large white polar bear with a long head. It mm-hmm. looked to be about six feet tall and solid, and then immediately went back into the woods. And she said that may have been because right at that point, two vehicles came by, their headlights were shining that area, and immediately when that happened, it went back into the woods. And she said, I was never so shaken in my life. She said, I thought I was going to die. She said, I could feel the heartbeat in my stomach. I felt sick in my stomach and my chest hurt. And when she went back to where she was, other people noticed how, how, she, how upset she was. And that's pretty interesting.
0: Was it uh, white-colored fur like a polar bear?
1: Uh, I, hold on, I'm pretty sure that's what she said. Yep, white, like she said, it was white-colored.
0: You know the now stand The last time I heard of something like a polar bear creature in the U.S. was at Ted Phillips talking about Marley Woods in Missouri. If you'll remember, uh, there were ran, the rancher there. I believe one of his uh, kids photographed. They couldn't make sense of what they were looking at. They, the closest they said it w- looked like was a polar bear. There were two of them, and Ted talked about this. Uh, The rancher actually shot at it, one of them. And he said you could see some redness like blood. The weird thing is these two quote-unquote polar bears walked through a barbed wire fence and completely disappeared. They left left hair, but they walked through a fence, through a barbed wire fence and completely vanished as if they had never been there. The footprints if I'm not mistaken, we're three-toed footprints. I mean, it doesn't and, fit anything that we know. Last we know, there are no polar bears walking around in Missouri. There's no polar bears that escaped from a zoo in Missouri. So it, it's just, that's the closest they could describe it. They didn't say it was a polar bear. It was polar bear-sized with white fur. And the fur from the fence is white, but I think when they attempted to identify it, there was no possible identification of the DNA.
1: Okay, and I got one that's even more interesting. It just okay. happened. I'm trying to find it here, so what like you said, just <laughs> just ring a bell, and I'm I'm going to try to find this for you, because it's really interesting. There's not a lot of detail on it, and I hope I can find it here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the what's so interesting about these cases, the similarities and reports. And then, you know, I talked about this Black Panther sighting, and I don't know if I talked about it in our previous interview or not, but Over the years, you know, once again, you can have a a UFO Bigfoot sighting almost anywhere. People are in the right place at the right time. But then you've got certain particular areas, and we have several of them here in Pennsylvania that I'm aware of. And one of them is very active here in Fayette County. And for a better term, the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society calls it Pennsylvania's Area X. Mm -hmm. And anyhow, um, a lot of activity goes around up in these areas. But when... This phenomenon, whatever we're dealing with, at times it focuses on these particular properties or families or whatever. And sometimes there's a long history of all kind of things going on, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, from UFO sightings and Bigfoot and cryptid encounters and paranormal phenomena and all kind of things like that. But sometimes when we have a Bigfoot outbreak, you also have an outbreak in the same area of other cryptids, including Black Panther reports. And including black panthers, when we talk about black panthers, mm-hmm. we're talking about black leopards or black jaguars, not an animal common in this part of the world. But I had a case many years ago, um, and I'm still trying to find this report, many years ago where um, a, a fella had a very bizarre black panther experience. And um, I don't know if I told you the story or not, but I'm glad to tell it to you again if you want to hear it. Please do. Okay, so this is uh, going back a long time. February 1983, way in the mountains here in western Pennsylvania. And um, anyhow, it's early morning. It's around 1 o'clock in the morning. It's very cold, and Estella's coming home, and his car's overheating. So he pulls into the uh, and pulls driveway into the, toward the garage, and he goes in to get a can of antifreeze. So he goes back and um, anyhow, he's putting the antifreeze in the car. And a few minutes later, he has this loud growl behind him. He turns around and look; about 20 feet away. is this large black house cat sitting there growling at him. Well, he didn't get really excited about it because out in that area in the country, there's a lot of old house cats roaming around. So he goes back to putting more antifreeze in the car. And um, a few minutes later, he hears a louder growl, and he turns around and he can't believe what he's seeing because that big black house cat has now physically grown to twice its size and it's sitting there growling at him and hissing at him so he throws that, that that can at it and it it growls again and it starts walking outside walks out up the road where it's all lit up the guy runs into his house to get his pistol he says a few minutes later he comes back out, and he said I couldn't believe what I see he said that great big That big house cat has now gotten bigger, and it looks like an animal like I saw in a zoo. It was a black panther with a long tail, all black, long body with glowing yellow eyes staring at me. He said, I took a shot at it. I don't know if I hit it. Moments later, it's physically vanished right in front of me. Go on.
0: Wow. Yeah, you did mention this story. It's unforgettable. I'm glad you told it again to refresh our memory. You know it reminds me of some of the stories that jonathan dover told recently at the kalispell uh comp mystery conference the dave polides conference uh mm-hmm. by the way dave has put that up on his website you anyone can listen to this now he put up a number of the speakers ron moorhead's up there scott nelson on dave's channel but it's just very interesting because uh dover talked about cases like this and he talked about Not seeing the Sasquatch feet turn into something else is literally vanishing in muddy ground. I mean, just like something picked it up in the air. Uh, So this more the idea of these sort of morphine changing creatures. um, It's just are you know we're not none of us are really trained to understand what you're talking about, Stan. We we've actually been actively trained not to understand what you're talking about, right? We've always been told that this is some sort of you know, paranormal, I mean, in the in a negative sense, just paranormal activity. And you know, you just forget about it because it doesn't make sense. But here you have these cases with these commonalities decade after decade, you know, long before OSAP or ATIP or even Project Blue Book, you were fielding these phone lines, right? Starting in 1959. Yeah. I I have you've been doing this a long time and people should remember You know, these cases have a lot of commonality going back decades, which is exactly what you're looking for in science is some sort of repeatability. And you've actually got that here. I should say out in the Western uh, part of the U.S., in my neck of the woods, I have recently heard about the clickitat ape cat, which is a black panther with a, a, a kind of a Bigfoot type face in along the Columbia River uh Mount Rainier area and uh I was one of the people I was talking uh James Shubsky uh who talked about this I I did an interview with him at Phenomicon recently he talked about these Invernal and he he said there's like 60 sightings of these creatures and uh as far as we know I mean Stan No wildlife biologist from the state of Pennsylvania is going to tell you that there are any black panthers in Pennsylvania. Am I correct?
1: That is correct. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Nor any of these other cryptids. And that's the way it is. But there have been biologists who have seen these things. Well, not those, but I know there's at least one biologist uh, I'm aware of that did see a Bigfoot here in Pennsylvania. And there's been many, many many experienced hunters spend years and years out of the woods who would never would have believed it till they saw it themselves. Just like the guy told me with the black Panther last week, he said, I used to hear stories. i never would have believed it till I saw it. But you know, one of the first things that my teams found in during that 73 outbreak, mm-hmm. when we got, we would get on the scene within minutes to hours after maybe these incidents occur or the police would, or the, or the police would call us to go out to investigate. And in all kinds of conditions, including snow We'd have these large footprints with big strides that will go dis- and then dis- abruptly stop when there should have been okay. more tracks.
0: That's I one of the first things
1: yeah. that showed up.
0: Tracks that stop in trackable ground? Yes. Just what Jonathan Dover was talking about. Uh, have people traced the tracks back and they just sort of start in the middle of nowhere too?
1: Yep. Sometimes they'll And then yeah. you even got cases. There should have been a lot more tracks, but there's only one track, but it's a very good detailed report, and that's been showing up for years.
0: What kind of track is that?
1: Well, there's only on the scene yeah. where an incident occurred, yeah. there's only one footprint has shown what, up. Yeah,
0: the famous single footprint. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stan, here's what I don't understand. We have government agencies that claim to be interested in these phenomena, right? they, they say I have websites, get a phone number. You can call as a witness. Why, why aren't we hearing about these phenomena? We're not talking about something that just started last year. This goes back to the 1950s, because as far as I know, you're one of the longest running UFO investigators out there. I mean, I think, uh, Stanton Friedman might've held that, uh, honor before he passed on recently right but well, you've been doing this since 1959 before project blue book right and we've had yeah go ahead yeah no i mean we've had these similarity in cases and i it really baffles me why this remains under wraps we heard about some of this in skinwalkers at the pentagon at uh, uh, right but james lakatsky and before that uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker, Colm Keller, and George Knapp, right? I mean, there are books written about this, but it never makes it up to the level of surface of public discussion. And I just think that's a scientific crime because you, what we have here is data. And it may not be easily explainable data, but tough. No one said that the universe is easy to understand, right? No one said it's pre-made for us to easily understand it, you know? so
1: Yeah. Well, again... I think what I think what these a, the agencies are looking at, they're mm-hmm. aware of this, it's mm-hmm. a worldwide phenomenon. It's nothing mm-hmm. new. It's been going on for years and years. But they don't understand it either, and it's so bizarre. Yeah. How do you come out and tell the public that, well, they may not be from outer space, but they might be from another reality, and yeah. all these different things that people are seeing, it's all part of the same phenomena, and nobody understands it, and nobody's in control of it, and everybody's trying to figure out what it is. And so those are the two things you're not hearing about is, one, you're not hearing about these low-level spheres of light reports, but they're not new, and they're going on all over the country and around the world. Yeah. And then we've got multitudes of cases, I've investigated many of them, of large structured objects low to the ground. And I can give you some great examples just a few of those cases I investigated. And you mentioned about the government interest in, in Bigfoot. Well, mm-hmm. I know they have the interest in Bigfoot because of what uh, it's in my silent invasion book. I mentioned it. That during that massive wave in 1973, when all this phenomenon is going on, UFOs and Bigfoot and a weird thing showing up, I got a call in September of 73 from a man who told me he worked for the government, that they were very interested in the investigation I was doing on Bigfoot. I was provided the phone number for a government laboratory in Washington, D.C., which I can tell you, I don't think anybody heard a name in this lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was given a, a contact name, an address, and a phone number. In the event we came up with a body, which, of course, we did not, or something along that line, I never had the opportunity to call the number. But I can tell you, I think it was about two weeks later that I got a call from one of the congressman's offices requesting a meeting. Mm
2: -hmm. And two
1: men from that office did come to my office home at the time. Mm -hmm. They were very cordial, very professional. They were very interested, very supportive. I kept in contact with them for quite a long time. I gave them the phone number that I was given for the lab, and they confirmed it was an internal government number. Um, I know that they've been interested in these things for a long time and I've heard similar stories over the years.
0: All the way back to the 70s. Can you give us the name of the lab or is it something you shouldn't share?
1: I have, and to be honest with you, it's been so many years. Oh, so many since I years. Looked,
0: okay. I couldn't tell you if I wouldn't okay. remember it right now. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Uh, what are these other cases that you wanted to mention? Because, I mean, again, I just find it absolutely fascinating and I'm sure the audience does we have for decades we've had been told that you know ufos are these extraterrestrial craft there are these little people coming from other planets or something like that and yet you're giving us so many cases where they're showing up around cryptids around orbs and things we don't even have names like for that that it's coming like in this wave of weirdness right and that changes everything because You know, I've been to five Bigfoot conferences, Stan, since June, all over, you know, the Northwest, you know, doing research and as part of the Flash of Beauty Paranormal Bigfoot movie and so forth. And there are people that want to keep the Bigfoot topic separate from any other topics. They don't want orbs, you know, in their Bigfoot reports. They don't want UFOs there. They want it to be the creature they want it to be. And it's just some sort of sort of anthropology or you know paleobiology or something like that and what you're sharing with us shatters the boundaries between these topics which i think is incredible
1: well and again it's not just me there's other researchers out there finding the same thing i mean if you just look at some of the books and the research in the last few years that's coming out they're talking about the same kind of mysteries going on all over the country and around the world of the same kind of similarities the similar patterns I've been in touch with many of these witnesses for years uh, and, and some of the researchers for years, and a lot of the good ones are now no longer with us. But I knew about this in the 70s. I started writing about this back in the 70s. Yeah. And I was in contact back then with a lot of the well-known names in a Bigfoot field in this country and out of the country. Yeah. And we shared, we talked about this information. I found that a lot of them had received the same kind of reports. They had the same things out toward. People shooting at Bigfoot, and they disappeared. The tracks would abruptly end and where there should have been more tracks. And they all knew about it, and they told me they did not want to publish it because they didn't want to get laughed at by their peers. And they just said they just went out and let it alone. And I said, my position is this is well documented. I don't have the answers, but I'm not about to cover it up and pretend it's not happening, and that's what I've always done.
0: Yeah, no. I, I, and Stan, I think it's totally understandable. I mean, when I went to graduate school in at WSU in Pullman, Washington, I was in the sociology department on the third floor, and upstairs from me in the anthropology department on the fourth floor was Grover Krantz, one of the first academics to study Bigfoot, and he took a lot of heat, and I'm sure a lot of ridicule, even just for making the argument that such a creature would exist. You know, in the Blue Hills area of Oregon, Washington, different areas. He had footprint casts. He gave some of them to a, a friend of mine who was also in graduate school. I wasn't really aware of these topics at the time. I was pretty much focused on my dissertation. But I mean, people like that back in the early times, your era when you started 70s and 80s, I think just even establishing that Bigfoot existed, even though Native Americans, you know, all the different tribes have been talking, it's all part of their traditions and history going back hundreds of years, but to bring it into modern Western science, those people had to have a lot of fortitude, right? Just to make the argument it existed, let alone saying that it could vanish in front of your eyes, the footprints would end, it could turn into balls of light and whatever. So we, I think we can understand it, but we're decades past that now. And we should be dealing with the overlapping aspects of these phenomena, even though it suggests what you're saying, interdimensionality, multidimensionality, parallel realities, literally an invisible world that is right next to us that we don't see most of the time, but it's there. It's there.
1: And animals, apparently, they're able to perceive it. They're able to, and there may be even certain individuals that have certain capabilities that they're able to perceive things as other people can't. And again, it's you know, like I said, the more I know about it, the more credible this whole whatever we're dealing with is. Uh, you know, I, again, many, many years ago, I, I began to realize interviewing literally thousands of witnesses over the years. I couldn't even begin to tell you how many. That almost anybody can be at the right place at the right time again to have an encounter. But there's another group of people, and you have a whole group of people. And some of these people, I mean, one I can think of, I'm still in touch with her probably. I bet you're going on 50 years now. And this was a little girl. uh, I think she was probably, I'm guessing, seven, eight years old that was missing. There was a big search for her. They found her standing in the middle of a field that they had searched. She said, I was here the whole time. That little girl, from the time she was little, she had all kind of paranormal experiences. Later in life, she had Bigfoot encounters, cryptid encounters, Hmm. balls of light encounters, UFO encounters. Sometimes other people were with her. Then her children and now her grandchildren are all experiencing these things.
0: Okay, and, okay. Got it.
1: And there's many, many others that I'm in touch with. And, I mean, these a lot of these are really credible people. A lot of them are well-educated, have good jobs and positions, and they all, they all think they're the only ones. Like, why is this only happening to me? They don't Got realize... It how many other people are having the same kind of experiences. It's much more common that it, people realize. In, in
0: sociology, we call those hidden events. And and these are things that people experience, but because of fear of ostracism and ridicule, they don't talk about, it. and they can keep it to themselves. And they tell you, right? But they don't tell anybody else. Well, uh, that's what I wanted to ask you, Stan, uh, about half an hour ago, which was, uh, you know, the people from Skinwalker Ranch, the OSAP group from the Pentagon and so forth, uh, Talked about what they call the hitchhiker effect, um, which I'm not sure that's the best name for it, but uh, you know it's this idea that these phenomena, once you come in contact with them, can show up in other locations and to your family. And this is what you're suggesting here: is this woman who uh, disappeared and then showed up in the field as a you know in her childhood that this sort of Uh, weirdness, for lack of a better word, these phenomena were also experienced by her children?
1: Well, but actually, I first knew about this in 1972. Okay. And if you read the Solid Invasion book, go back to the beginning of the book in 72. There's a very interesting case that happened in the Mon Valley. You'll see it there. Mm -hmm. Where, and I'm going from memory, it's been a long time since I've reviewed that case. But There were, I think, two young fellows in a car. Uh, This is a small little river town where I can tell you there's a lot of activity down on the Mon Valley outside of Pittsburgh for years and years, even this year and the last few years, from cryptids to weird things in the river to UFOs, I mean, all kind of weird stuff. And some of it's in the new book, Creepy Cryptids, by the way, some of this case. But anyhow, that case involved these two fellows. This was in October sometime, I think a couple weeks before Halloween. And as they're riding down the street, as I remember, was a dark street. There's this tall, I think it said seven, six, seven-foot tall, hairy creature coming down the road and standing, like, right, like, on the side of a street there. I can't remember exactly the detail. And they thought it was – these are kids, teenagers, and they thought it was some guy dressed up for Halloween at first. So they actually – they actually – had their They slowly moved their car up and pinned this thing against the side, by, like a light post or something. And then they realized, oh, my gosh, this is not somebody dressed up. This is something bizarre. So they pulled back, and they sped down the street. And this thing starts running down the street where a bunch of kids were having a party or something. And this thing starts going down towards this party kids, And these kids were so frightened, they literally ran right through, right through the class door and some of them were cut pretty bad, and this kid ended up in the hospital He, uh, as the thing was coming down the street. And he told his parents about it, and then his mother was well-educated. I interviewed her two years ago, oh. and I don't remember all the details, but it was so interesting because I believe the mother independently after this happened, and then the son began to have this a legless, gliding entity in their bedroom separately going through mm-hmm. the walls at night. Wow. And the one, and the one, and this was really interesting, The what the mother described to me, and she said, I'll never forget, and she said, I was sitting there watching the news that night, I think it was about a year later in 73, and said, pointing to her husband, said, my God, that's a thing I saw in the room. She, point, she was talking about the description from Pascagoula, Mississippi, of what was right. described down there.
0: Right. Oh, it sounds very similar, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, what she saw at this entity, she described it very, very similar. So this happened after the initial creature right. encounter, whatever it may have been, with her, with the sun.
0: She was the one who saw it, or was the sun?
1: Both of them independently. Oh,
0: both at both the of independently Yeah, I get it. Both. Is this the Mon family that you're talking about? I I've read uh, I've read Silent Invasion a couple times, but I'll go back. Is you're saying this is in the beginning of the book?
1: It's in the Mon Valley. That's not their name. And I'm oh, not Mon sure exactly right.
0: the You name
1: know, I
0: used. Um, I have to mention another case which I uh, talked about uh, just briefly in, in "Dark Matter Monsters," which was the Day family. Which uh, Andrew Collins, a researcher from the UK, not to be confused with Colin Andrews, but Andrew Collins, who wrote a book called "The New Circle Makers," talked about the Day family going through this a glowing plasma on the road on their way home, uh, somewhere not too far from the London area, going literally into a plasma, ball lightning, coherent matter, whatever it was. And their lives were never the same afterwards, for the better, by the way. But they started seeing what you're describing, something that seems similar. You know, figures in their home uh, just very strange experiences they'd never had before which ultimately led them to even change careers and to become involved in completely different interests than they had been before they passed through this this uh ball of light in the road right in the middle of yeah the
1: and so when you when you look at through my creepy Cryptus book like i said and i think you mentioned there are some extremely unusual cases. there's things in there people have never heard of before and one Not of never. the cases there. Is it's very, It was very creepy to me, and you'll find that case in there, and you'll realize what it is. But while this thing was taking place, these people, this, the two witnesses described that all of a sudden, the environment they were in around where, they, where, where it was happening, everything was different. Like, it was this bright light appeared, everything felt different, and how, what happened with this creature, which you'll have to read about in there... Uh, it's it's so bizarre. And I have to go back and go over the details. It indicated it was something that they may have been in, whether they were in another dimension,
2: whether yeah. they
1: were in another realm. Everything was different at the time, but it was temporary. And we hear about these on a rare occasion with some other cases
0: as well. I will be looking for that one. You know, uh, I, I think it, we are in a different reality. We just don't recognize it most of the time. I, I have to share a story from you. you. You talked to my bigfoot zoom group a number of months ago everyone enjoyed that and there's a fellow in there named max who shared a story from arkansas which uh was witnessed by his entire family including his dad who was a state trooper and on the secret service for bill clinton while he was governor of arkansas and what happened and this is you mentioned why we don't hear about this more often why government agencies don't mention this they literally saw a black dog walk through the wall in the living room while they were eating dinner and everyone saw it. It literally walked through the wall. They actually thought there was a black dog in the house. The dad saw it too, it was a state trooper at the time, and they actually searched the house for this dog which they obviously couldn't find because it was sort of non corporeal, right? Well, Max was talking to a friend and a friend said that he had had a similar experience uh, with his family somewhere in the area. So it's almost like there's this geographic component to it, which you're obviously very familiar with. We don't get we don't hear about these cases, but people share it occasionally with friends. And uh, there is a component to it, which you're mentioning. And I'll look for it in creepy cryptids uh, since I'm reading it, you know, case by case there where it has lasting effects. And I don't think that means people should be afraid of this or something. It just means there are these, I don't know, for a lack of better word, dimensional effects, non-ordinary electromagnetic field effects, that they recur again. Things like this, right?
1: And that could be. And by the way, I found that report. It's just brief. But this just happened in the last couple weeks. So this is about, I'm estimating, maybe around 40 miles uh south of pittsburgh earl this is at five o'clock in the morning this person's riding down this road rural area and you're familiar with what they call jersey barriers like on the turnpikes the uh, cement barriers yeah okay so anyhow this person is on this highway apparently it was nobody else around at the time it's five o'clock in the morning Reported seeing this ashen colored humanoid run across the road in front of her in the headlights it was the same color from head to toe, about five to six feet tall. But it went from left to right, and it ran directly through the Jersey barrier and across the road and continued.
0: Wow. These yeah. Jersey barriers are these these taller concrete barriers that they use for sound mitigation and so forth, or?
1: These are the ones. These are right along the main highways around here. Yeah, okay. they're like bordering the uh, the separations in the lanes.
0: Got it. Oh, They're separate.
1: Very heavy cement, huge
0: cement barriers. And she saw it go right through. Went right through it. Yeah, you know, so many, there's so many cases like this. We hear this around Sasquatch, uh, even Dogman, which you've discussed in the past, you believe is a, a variant of Sasquatch. You, know, you mentioned the case earlier of uh, people seeing something that they thought was a person in a costume. I remember talking to someone not too long ago in Westcliff, Colorado, uh, in one of the stores there and she said that there were people walking along a road uh, it's a road I later uh, found, it wasn't very far from town where they thought they saw someone walking in a dog costume because it looked just like a German shepherd standing on two legs, complete with a tail and as the people passed it, they realized it wasn't a costume it was what we call dog man. it didn't even pay well, attention to them
1: among all the different cases that are coming in uh, and this was again uh not too long ago in fact this was in july of this year and this again is um in an area outside of Latrobe, Trobe, which again is not far from the ridge but this area area airwood has been reports for years along this road and this was um around 11:30 at night and i'm just trying to see the details here i believe she was just the person was heading to work and as she's riding down the road she looks over to the side down over this embankment, and she sees this giant black mass. It was pretty well lit, I guess. I think it was a moonlit night, if I recall. And she said it would have been about 40 steps away from her if she was level with it, but it was over the embankment. she got to go look at it. The moonlight was, um, she could see the entire silhouette, but not facial features. What she saw was about 8 feet tall. It was furry with dark hair. She saw a dog-like head and a tail that was thick and hung down. The head was turned away from her when she first saw it. It then turned toward her, and she could see its snout. It seemed to look directly at her. It was near uh, an area of water. She said I, she called it a wolf man, but she but again, it's probably similar to a dog man. Reports. That's all we know about it.
0: Wow. Well, Stan, you've been very generous with your time tonight. I really want to thank you. For sharing all these stories. Um, I, this has been absolutely fascinating. That's all I can say. And I should point out that you started as an electronics engineer, if I'm not mistaken. You're not a a just a tec- technician. Technician. Because I, I started building kits as a kid. You remember those kit
1: kits? Oh, I built yeah. many of them. <laughs> I built, built many of those. And uh, Lafayette Radio and all right. those good ones. Those Lafay- the good old days. I still have, I still have some of them.
0: I still have some of my kits too. I have some of my Heath kit kits and ones from Radio Shack. But the Heath kit, Lafayette. Yes, the point is, both you and I started in conventional electronics. We know how circuits work. We know how these things are supposed to operate, right? We're almost like nuts and bolts people working with that type of technology, right? This. Is so far from that, but you and I are used to looking at evidence. It's not like we needed this to happen in our lives. We came across it and we're interested in it because we're used to dealing with ordinary electromagnetic fields, which are predictable and dependable and tunable. And this is just so different from that in so many ways that uh, you can't help but want to understand more of it. But Stan, how do people get in contact with you if they would like to file a report or send you some information?
1: Yeah, my my website is stangordon.info, stangordon.info. There is information on how to contact me. Uh, The phone they can use is 724-838-7768. Email is sightings at stangordon.info or PA, like Pennsylvania, PA, UFO at Comcast.net. It's on my website as well. And uh, all my books, the latest book, as you said, is Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. And there's a lot of things in there people have never heard of before.
2: Yeah. The
1: other book real popular, is Silent Invasion, the mm. Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot Casebook. And then my first book was Really Mysterious Pennsylvania, and then Astonishing Encounters, Pennsylvania's Unknown Creatures. They're all different. These are all cases I work uh, on or people close to me were involved in. They're all ca- many, most of these cases, most people never heard about before. They are probably some of the most interesting cases you ever read about. And they're available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com.
0: Right. Thanks very much for that. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is happening in every state. We're just not hearing about it. Right. Cause we don't have a state. Oh, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure yeah. that's what's going on. And, you know again, my hotline's been open since nineteen sixty nine yeah so it's it's pretty well known out there and um, so I'm one of the few places that people will know to report and I actually interview everybody who calls in and uh investigate uh, the best we can too if they're around these areas so I mean I actually talk to people and get the information first hand
0: yeah, it's all first hand information, yeah. Just absolutely incredible. And it's amazing that we're right in the midst of another wave right now. So people should be keeping their eyes open for things that might not fit in the way we're used to, right?
1: That's it. Well, keep your eyes open, keep your cameras nearby. You never know, you might be in the right place
0: at the right time. Yeah. And then you can call Stan and report. Well, Stan, thanks very much. I really appreciate it so much. And I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon. Okay.
1: Thanks very much for having me on the program.
0: Okay. Take care, Stan. Thanks very much. Talk soon.